idioms, Ray. Here we are again. We are. We're, yeah, more and more and more. And I know we always go through this ritual, or I do, and no one cares probably. <laughs> but what? we're recording on Groundhog Day. Oh, yes. It is Groundhog Day. In today. the United States. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, that's right, because didn't we do this? We discovered that most cities have their own, or states have their own uh, groundhog. Marmot Day. Punxsutawney Phil in our neck of the woods here in Pennsylvania. Right. But other other folks have groundhog, and I don't remember what they're called, uh, or if we even dove that far in. We did, but then, then our brains yeah, I was like, nah, you don't need that. eroded. You don't need to know West Virginia's groundhog name. Get out of there. Well, they, not all the states have groundhogs. Yeah, it didn't feel like every single one did, but it was more... Platypus day. You know, you grow up where you grow up and you think what you have is normal. That's just what we do. That's what generally. we do. So you think like, yeah. And that we're the only Everyone, ones. it's like Santa. Everyone knows <laughs> Punks is Honey Phil. <laughs> 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 but no, turns out no, which is great. But yeah, today is uh, is Groundhog Day, so I will be watching the film later, uh, just in case you weren't sure. Which oh oh Groundhog oh <laughs> oh really? Yes, I will. I wonder how many streams it gets. Today. Oh, I mean, it's got to be nuts. There is a you know the the wise streaming purchasing platform that's on everybody's device. Uh, it puts it puts it on sale. You know, like last week uh, to get you in, right? Uh, and if they're smart enough, they would then take it off sale this week <laughs> and then have the people who snossed the must. But uh, really feel compelled to yeah, watch. But I bet, uh, you know, some, sure, we're all dicks. I'm not sure if they're that big of dicks. Come on. Well, I'm going to look. Uh, maybe. Let's see. <laughs> so I'm just going to check <laughs> and see if we are. Well, no, I can't tell. Because I do own this own this film already uh, via this popular purchasing uh, content, so it won't website. tell you. It will only tell me that I can watch it. Uh, it won't tell me the price. Darn it! So it's like, I'm why are uh, you foiled. worried about? The yeah, price. you own it. You you don't get to look. Groundhog Day, everybody. Fine, Bill Murray film. I mean, really. Ray's not an Andy McDowell fan, but I think uh, she does. Very no, as well as the year again, as the years go on, I'm I'm warming uh, or melting. Years. I guess, yeah. It's a fine film. It's a great Harold Ramis treat uh, about you know about about yourself about being a person. <laughs> you find <laughs> a little bit about it. It's a it's fascinating because it it's could a be dream I had about <laughs> being a, a person. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Anyway, wow, <laughs> we are well into the weeds. Oh yeah, true detective <laughs> dialogue coming up. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> What might be bum, 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 your word today? Uh, my phrase today. Phrase. It doesn't matter. Is uh, out over my skis. Oh, out, out over. Or your skis. Out over someone's skis. Yes, I've, I've heard this. I don't use it, but it, it, it seems like a fine thing to use. I don't know why, when applicable, I shouldn't use it, but I don't think I have. Ever. Do you have a... An idea of when you would use it, though. I'm curious to to talk about this part of it. When would you say it? Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, you know, even just to keep it in the sporting world, like uh, I, I I go mountain biking, but I'm not a mountain biker. I'm not right. great at sure. it. Sure. I'm not doing 
tricks and stuff like that. <laughs> and one time I turned into this trail that led me down a hill that you, you, you were in. Once you were in, you can't, you got to do it. Yeah. And it went to a dippy thing and like that. So I would say figuratively, once I went down there, I was out over my skis in that I was doing more than I was able to do. I was attempting more than I was able to do. That's how I think of it. Great. Attempting more than I'm able to. But I guess I guess when you picture it, here's someone that took a ski jump. And then, like in the Olympics, their head and their body right. is extended past their skis. That's a, exactly. And then, so, they're in a very precarious situation. Well, Maybe it's more like that. Which is the same Interesting, thing. interesting. That, okay, great. That's fantastic. Uh, that is exactly one, one way of looking at it. Uh, you're, <laughs> you're, you've taken on more than you can handle. You're perhaps... Is it coming from you think like a failing standpoint? Like, oh, I shouldn't have done this because I'm not I'm not ready for it. Is that what you're saying? Right, getting ahead of yourself in that way. I I, I don't think of it that failure is imminent. Not not failure, but unprepared. I yeah more more than I expected, and holy crap! Yeah, getting ahead of yourself. That's great because we're going to touch upon this again later in a different side of it, which is something you brought up, which we'll get to. <laughs> Thank you for that little indulgence. I appreciate it. It was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not pre-scripted. No, not at all. Uh, we did not write that bit about Groundhog Day. It's random Groundhog Day it's business. Just, it's just us talking. <laughs> um, but yeah, sure. What uh, What is a ski, one might say, anyway? Before we get out over our skis, we need to know what they are. Uh, and they're defined as a, a pair of long, slender pieces of wood fastened to the foot used to travel over snow, enabling the wearer to slide downhill with great speed. That's a specific kind of skiing, downhill skiing. Sure. Obviously, which we'll touch upon. A, a work called Two Planks and a Passion, A Dramatic History of Skiing, by Roland Huntford, says that the uh, first community known to be skiers were the Sami, uh, indigenous people to Scandinavia throughout the Middle Ages. Uh, they were credited with the invention of the ski, but... Uh, According to this guy, that there are cave drawings uh, that suggested that we were skiing for uh, for like ever to the ice age, obviously way back. Cool uh, man, that would really help in the ice age. Yeah, I mean they really are a mode of traversal for our human legs through different terrain. Um, the oldest ski artifacts saying eight thousand BC in northern China. They are uh, two meter long pieces of wood covered in horsehair. So they had the wood and they covered it up with, with some hair. I wonder why the hair. It seems like that would be friction, slow you down. I think friction might help in, a, in an icy situation, but also, uh, which we kind of touch upon, I get to, is I think the wood wears out. You know, you're walking on it. It is wood. It's not necessarily hard. So I think you, you can wear it out, ra- round it off, do things to it, which, which don't help, which we learn later. Hmm. When you're trying to ski. Yeah. Uh, It's an old Norwegian word. Ski, kind of spelled very similar. S-K-J-I. And that's 8th century, which goes way back. But our our friend, the OED, tosses us like a first use in ski and print uh, in 1755, which seems incorrect. 
Like that can't be right. What if we've been skiing for this long? And, right, and Neanderthal man. Right, it, where it's going to pop up first in 1755? Like it's, I don't think. No. I'm, just, I'm letting everybody know that that's probably not the first uses use of it. it was a 1755 London Monthly Review, but again, eight eight thousand BC. It's going to come up before then. It's <laughs> we it just don't have the records. Many, yeah. many, many yeah. times. We, we just don't have the records. I mean, Billy Shakes must have mentioned it. I would imagine. Again, it's it's like so. You know, we, it's it's a timeline. Sure, we're doing it as a mode of, of traversal to get through snowy areas, to get through icy places. Strap things to your feet. Strap skis to your feet. Strap snowshoes to your feet. You know, we we, we kind of we're we're a smart species. We can figure out stuff. You know, when we have to, we have to overcome something. Like, oh, okay. Um, but that 1755 first usage, it's it's like by 1800s, sort of skiing is becoming more recreational, um, not just made to get around your uh, your neighborhood or get to where you got to go to to hunt your game and, and tend your crops and stuff. Right. I guess you wouldn't have many crops in the winter. But no anyway, <laughs> uh, 1868, Sandra Norheim. <laughs> uh, this this guy who's who's credited with being the inventor of the telemark ski, which the telemark ski is said has a side cut that allows skiers to like steer better, uh, carve. They're saying rather than slide sideways. A so side it's, cut. It's you a say. skiing. It's like a skiing technique that combines. Oh, I should say that too. Two different types of skiing, as we said earlier. Uh, Nordic skiing, which is what we refer to as cross-country skiing, which is more straight through woods, through through things. You're trying right. your walk, you're hiking with skis. Uh, and alpine skiing, which we refer to as same thing as, as downhill skiing, where you're you're doing it, f- I guess for fun to get down places. Yeah, maybe it's still traversing, but downhill skiing. And this is what we're focused on, really, is this downhill skiing because up until kind of now, it was mostly the the cross-country Nordic-style skiing. Um, but Alpine, this this, this uh, Sandra Norheim and this Telemark ski, uh, using, I, I don't understand it. I've, I have skied. I'm not great at it. I've never skied. By any stretch. I have skied. I have technically earned my skiing merit badge uh, as a child. I remember getting on the skis at the top of the hill and just shooting straight down the hill. I don't remember I had very much finesse or, like, control over myself. <laughs> but anyway, I got the merit badge. Uh, yeah, man. So I, I only fundamentally grasp what skiing, <laughs> how we have to do. So, yeah, it's in the, the rear foot used to keep balance while pushing your front foot to create a carving turn on downhill skis with toe-only bindings. This is this Telemark ski, like, definition. Mm. 1868, that is. So 1928, we get the steel edge ski uh, invented by Rudolf Lettner uh, from Austria, and this has better grip in the snow. And like I was referring to earlier with the horsehair, perhaps this the, the wood edges uh, of these skis wore off. They'd wear down. They they would round over, and that'd be less control for you as a skier. <laughs> you know, sliding, sliding, sliding. If only I had some metal to, to help put grab. around these edges, said yeah. the caveman. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, we're eight, nine, eight, eight, well, now we're 1928. We're well, now, well out of yeah, but You're I mean, saying back, back right. He's like, I got this hair. I'll try that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so these were like strips, steel strips around the ski, allowing the ski to still uh, flex and like made it like a little, uh, 
routed edge of metal around the end. Hmm. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But anyway, why why are we saying out over our skis? I still don't know. Right. <laughs> I got the idea of skiing and what they've been made of. I right. think they're now like some kind of plastic or something. Carbon right? fibers. I, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't actually look up. It's probably still wood. Some the, the maybe less expensive ones are made of wood. Or the more expensive Right, ones. depending on what the way they go. Yeah. Um, that kind of comes in like, you know, who who invented the the buckle and I, you know we can go on that whole whole trip but it, it's through throughout the years we got like an idea like when downhill like you said recreational in the 1800s where where people okay we have some food canned we got yeah, firewood we, we can live our lives a little and hey i discovered this hill out on the prairie where yeah you go down right it, and it's, it's kind it's of a hoot. fun yeah it's fun uh, I think 1868 starts that mark. 1928, we get the steel edge ski. Uh, so we're we're moving more towards recreational. It gets added to the, the Winter Olympics in 1936. 1936, which is uh, also the year the chairlift was invented. So even more now, you can get up. You can get up the mountain without spending all all day getting up the mountain, and you can ski down it a bunch of times instead of just the one time. Really, you know. Because, I mean, it's going to take you all day to get up there before that chairlift. Oh, yeah, just the, the work to get up there. So, yeah, 30s, it's becoming more popular. And, again, through the, through those next few decades, it just gains more popularity. It becomes more accessible to folks. Um, you know, more of a thing to do. Once sure. you see it in those Olympics, you're like, yeah, that's cool. The only bit of evidence that I could find and that everyone points to is this New York Magazine article. Where did the phrase, over his skis, come from? <laughs> <laughs> literally called this uh in 2012 and it says that it began in the finance world uh the first non-skiing usage of it so the you know figurative use in the early 90s 1990 the publication investment dealers digest a 1991 article some race between goldman sachs and lehman brothers the preferred stock desk writer i guess someone said lehman couldn't get a clean legal opinion on it they may have been out over their skis a little bit with their structure. 1996, uh, now we're getting into sports usages. Uh, 1997, still sports usages. Hart went out over his skis and calling this the prime of Doc's career. So, mm, But that, that doesn't suggest uh, any negativity. Right, exactly. That's a part of the, the of of this thing that again I was in the same ballpark of like hmm this means something you're unprepared for you're not ready to do you're you're probably not going to do well at it something might go wrong but I looked up like okay how to ski and you ski with yourself like tilted forward just in general like good skiing form is your like. You're not tilted forward, but your like shins are leaning forward, and you're kind of like over your feet. Your hips are over your feet, but you have like a a, a leg lean forward. You know, yeah, you're gravitationally propelling in a direction, right? And you you lean that way. Yeah, you kind of like lean into your boots, part. if you will. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so, I was reading people talking about this, and they were saying that this idiom, the way that people use it, is is frustrating in that sense because when you're learning to ski, like they really seem like do teach you to, to really lean into that, like really go further than you think you need to go, like lean forward. So you're leaning out, you know, and it would feel like you're out over your skis and they're like, okay, you're brand new at something. They're telling you to lean forward because you're out over your skis. That kind of, that kind of something like that. But when you said, 
like you said earlier, and like I, I also like is the downhill skiers and this people's ski jumps, they are purposefully leaning way out over their skis. Way. And the reason for that is because it helps them. I think it pushes them faster. They're going quicker. They can get themselves flat. They're pulling less air drag. Again, I don't know these things. I'm just talking. Um, <laughs> but they're moving quickly, not perhaps unprepared or, you know, they're just moving faster than perhaps other people would want to move. And I kind of like that side of it too. So it's it's similar and you're, you're getting ahead of yourself, but you're getting ahead of yourself in not necessarily that kind of... I'm unprepared for this, more of like other people are unprepared for this. Oh. You know? Uh. Like I I'm getting ahead someone someone's offering up uh, thoughts or things about getting over their ski and they're getting ahead of their skis because other people aren't ready to catch up to how fast they're moving. Uh. You know what I'm saying? You're not ready, people aren't ready for you to to say those things yet or to hear that stuff or to do that Commander said, don't worry, I don't have the authority to kill you today, which was positive for that day anyway. In 1993, Chris Moon was captured by the Khmer Rouge while clearing landmines in Cambodia. With survival probability low, Chris was brought in front of the boss. He was just given a local nickname, Mr. Clever. Hi, I'm Steve Windus, host of the Batting the Breeze podcast. I'd love you to check out how Chris survived, along with some other great human stories at battingthebreeze.com. Hopefully see you there. Just yet, you know, you moved maybe a little too fast, but not in a, you weren't prepared way, more in a, people weren't prepared way, you Uh, know? know? Yeah. Because it is the downhill skiing, like you said, you are out over those skis. Yes. Like, you are forward, your head is beyond the tips of your skis. (laughs) So, in that sense, it's like out over your skis. That's not a, yeah, I don't know. I liked, I liked that, and I wasn't paying attention to that perspective until I researched this. It's not so much like a falling on your face perspective as a as a being fast perspective. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I guess I thought, sure, those Olympic skiers mm-hmm. do that and they are in control. Right, right. But if the average person like myself were to do it, I'd be in trouble and land on my face or something. That's yeah. how I was thinking of the yeah. saying. Same, same. And then I looked in and like, yeah, and I'm like, oh, that's because right, I agree with what you were. That's why I was kind of glad we started off how we did. <laughs> I was like, yes, okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you even mentioned the downhill skiing, even better. <laughs> and it was on full random. Yeah, yeah. No, that was uh, that was nice. Huh. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. I don't know. I like the the fast perspective. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, it comes up a lot in like political speeches after like the those first those 90s but people say it a lot uh in the politics and yeah, the, the, you know the, how it, the new york magazine is, is specifically referencing a president and stuff yeah, yeah phrase gets into a use in a circle of people and then it yeah it gets a little overused sometimes yes yes it does yes it does <laughs> but rebecca never overuses her phrases I don't think so. Whole Nine Yards is sponsored by Big Science Music. 
Big Science Music is a can and one show award-winning original music and sound boutique, providing scoring, sound design, radio, podcast, and audio post-production services for the advertising, film, and video industries. Big Science Music also offers ADR, casting, and project management. Big Science Music's reels, full capabilities, and more can be found at BigScienceMusic.com. That's BigScienceMusic.com. Oh, man. Yes. Mm -hmm. These are the times that we're living in. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Good times. Yeah. I mean, it's all we got. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, you know, just go back in here. Yeah. That's how I say. Just do it. Uh, And I have a phrase Mm -hmm. that, you know, we probably use. We use it. People use it. It's still used. And that phrase is over a barrel. Over a barrel. Yeah, okay. they've got me over a barrel on yeah. this one. Yeah. Sure. Right? <laughs> yeah. Huh. So if someone has you yeah. over a barrel, yes. what is occurring? I mean, I would say that uh, they've got me in a in an uncomfortable position where they seem to have all the power and I got nothing to do but go with go with what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty that's pretty much spot on. Yeah. Along for the ride, I guess at that point. And quite a ride it might be. Yeah, right. No, it's uh yeah. So here's some funny things that came up uh on the way to discovery. <laughs> all right. People, man, uh, let me just say, so it it appears in this motion picture, which I've never seen, although now I kind of, I guess, maybe I want to see, I'm not sure, from 1939 called The Big Sleep. I don't know that. Uh, 1939, you know, it's in that yeah. hazy area of uh, motion picture making. Yeah. 1939, The Big Sleep, it is used in a strange pun-like context, or so we're led to believe where the over the barrel is sort of talking about the barrel of a gun. Oh. Right? So you couldn't really be over the barrel of a gun, but it was sort of, there's something in the dialogue where they suggest, hey, mm-hmm. I've, gotten, I've got you over a barrel now while pointing the rifle at you. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Okay, yeah. So that's kind of a little double entendre. I see. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I wasn't thinking that at all. Now there... There are a lot of folk, including, I believe, the OED. And it's the OED that brings up this this motion picture, by the way. Oh, nice. Made famous from the motion picture, The Big Sleep. Someday you might use that gun again. Then you'd be over a barrel. That's the quote Hmm. of dialogue. In the later 1800s and a lot, there's a lot of activity for this phrase that occurs 1880, 1890. But in that time, there are references to using this technique to save a drowning person, which took me a minute to get my head around. Oh, okay. But you'd sort of maybe, um, let's just say for um, physics sake or whatever, maybe it's easier if this is a guy. So the guy's chest is on the, you lay the barrel on its side and the guy's chest is on the barrel. Mm Mm-hmm. And someone's holding his feet, and then you kind of roll them. 
So uh, their body slanks over, slinks over the front of the side of the barrel. Mm -hmm. you know, can you picture that? Yeah. And then back again. And then so that the barrel sort of pushes on the lungs and then you go back and they spit water out and then you pull them back and get another. Huh. Now, yeah. this is probably a good way to kill a drowning person. <laughs> It's overly complicated, I guess. And who's got barrels down on the beach, right? You drag a guy in, and then, right? They got the beach barrel set up everywhere. I'm okay. not sure, but we'll we'll get to, if I can remember to bring that one back around, although it, it's... That's not how I was picturing what, what you were saying, but I mean, I yeah. What were you picturing? Well, when you said drown, I thought you just like toss a barrel at someone and they just get on top of it. No, no, no. We're talking about like a person who's... Drowned. Yeah, they've absorbed I see. water into yeah. their lungs. Now we need to extricate get that, that Get water. that out of there. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I see. Now, haha, there is... Also, in the same time, this is the f weird thing about this phrase. In this same time period, we see it being used, although in the end, I worked it out. But it's, it's funny how your new life didn't change things. <laughs> <It's funny. laughs> I was thinking how... Time slipped away over here. Yeah, I had the Eagles. You had I don't know who that is. I don't know either. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So uh, yes, but the, it's used as a sort of um, part of a fraternity hazing, and you know the you know the fraternity hazings get quite creative. Apparently, and and in this instance, you you sort of strap. First, you get the fellow uh, naked, apparently. Sure. Then you. I mean, that's where I thought we started. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I, I just left that out uh, by accident. So uh, you, then you strap the fellow over the barrel, and uh, and then you uh, you brand uh, his buttocks Damn. with a fraternity emblem. Yeah. So I wonder, you know, how how many sure folk were walking around with a uh, fraternity brand brand on their buttocks you can't get rid of that no that's a scar especially in 1886 it wasn't plastic surgery man you know what i mean no that's that wow that could have killed you they did seem to give you uh, some ice later they had ice standing by oh, uh at least nice. the the kinder uh gentler off. ones yeah uh so fraternity hazing or saving a drowning victim <laughs> Yeah, to do CPR, that seems... I mean, I guess it makes sense in a, like a physical standpoint, but it just seems like overly complicated. But anyway. And again, yep. Who's got barrels on the, on the beach. beach? I guess <laughs> maybe. You know, if you're at a resort back in the day, they had a barrel of beer or mead or something, <laughs> and they brought it down for the guests to enjoy while they sunned themselves. And then here... Uh, Joe swims out too far, catches a riptide. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. But but rem remind me the drowning thing when I bring this home because I, I think I think there is a tiny bit of a tie back in that. So why am I reminding you? It's your word. I know, but I'm just I need some help. I'll try. All right. So then again, in the same time period 1890-ish there's an instance 
where not unlike the technique used to save the drowning man, sure, there is a need for some reason bloodletting. I didn't think they were doing bloodletting in the 1900s. Still, were they? I mean, mm. 19th century, but but used to help roll and release blood out of a person. <laughs> doing the same lung type thing. of maneuver. Yeah, I'm still I'm rolling you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but they had those. Um, yeah, we right. The uh, funeral home bathtubs existed well, well back into yeah, in the nineteenth century. I mean, we had like pumps and things by then, like vacuum pumps and like that. You could pump something out of something else. But yeah, but you maybe have to roll whatever. I mean, in the nether regions of the, you I know, guess you don't have all those tools. So you 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 cut the guy, <laughs> and then you 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 know working. <laughs> Let's back all get it forth. out. <laughs> yeah, what a mess. That doesn't seem like a, a good idea at all. Um, oh, man. And there's a an odd quote about it that comes up in the uh, Tacoma Daily Ledger. <laughs> See, in Tacoma, they didn't have the pumps. They just had barrels and knives. So, yeah, there's a business about this somebody bleeding freely once the technique was employed. I uh, won't get all into the... Uh, now... There are some people that argue it's a it's just a figurative thing about having him over a barrel. Now he's bleeding freely, but in that instance, you'd you'd think it's more like they're collecting the blood. It's an open barrel, and you know, yeah, I guess. but I got no pictures. I just have words, and they're um, befuddling. Huh. It's okay though. Yeah, that's an odd one, and I think a. Um, I think we must have been in a time there in the 1890s when people started using this, but. They hadn't really been taught exactly how, and so uh, they were using it will I nil I I mean I could see us doing but eighteen nineties that's I could see us bleeding people out over barrels, but not at that age, like way before that, yeah, for like punishment <laughs> or something, yeah, now all up in the nineteen hundreds early nineteen hundreds it was clearly used in in a standard figurative way that we use it now just how you described it someone's got you in a predicament where you have no choice yeah there's nothing you can do right yeah they got you yep and therefore right yeah somebody slides you that envelope of photographs that uh, you didn't know were snapped right and now you're over a barrel now there's nothing you got nothing you're like yeah well shit but this this little tasty snippet came up uh this journalist for the Wisconsin newspaper, the Lacrosse Democrat. Hmm. That's another one. Like that can't possibly still exist, right? But mm. but there it is. This fellow, Marcus M. Brick, was his nickname. Pomeroy. So Brick Pomeroy. All right, nice. And I learned that he got the nickname Brick because I'm like, why Brick? <laughs> yeah. So so Marcus turned in this story, and the editor said this. Any journalist like that can write like that. It's a it's a perfect brick. And I'm like, what? What? Why? But then you realize that maybe in the middle of the 19th century, just perfect edged uh. bricks, one after another, coming out of the brickmaker people, yeah. weren't as easy to do as we expect them to be today. Perhaps, yeah. So a perfect brick that didn't need any editing. Like this is great. And and maybe and maybe this editor also had had an earlier life as a brickmaker. He was a mason. Yeah, something. Perry Mason. 
So he put it together. <laughs> so anyway, uh, this fellow, Brick Pomeroy. That's a great name. Yeah. That's awesome. I like it. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, he, he actually, I read some other things about him. He was kind of a jerk. Oh. But come uh, on, Brick. I know. So, but he had this little poem that was published in that uh, lacrosse Democrat in 1869. And this one goes like this. This is not why I think he's a jerk, but there's a bunch of other stuff that he wrote that was kind of uh, not nice. Uh, but this is this is just stuff. I'd like to be a schoolmarm, and with the schoolmarms stand with a bad boy over a barrel and a spanker in my hand. <laughs> so. Uh, you know, I guess uh, he felt like uh, there wasn't enough um, r- child rearing or whatever. And I think every generation uh, feels that way. Feeling something. He's, that's what he's feeling. He's, <laughs> I mean, he took pen to paper. Yeah, he definitely took pen to paper on that one, Brick. <laughs> so this is 1869, where it's clearly something over a barrel is bad, right? Right. But... Ahoy, Ray. All right. Ahoy. And fellow Ray. listeners. And, Ray, you scared me earlier today, yeah. as we like to scare each other around uh, the walls here. Yeah. Uh, I certainly enjoy it a lot. Uh, you don't do it enough, so I, I really appreciated that. <laughs> Dude, uh, you got it. <laughs> so, but I had been in the restroom when yeah. you s- when, and left the restroom when you scared me. Yes. And... I was singing. Do you remember what I was singing? No. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. Well, it's a clue. <laughs> Darn it. And the song I was singing was Sailing by Christopher Cross. What? Yeah. And the reason I was singing Sailing, because Sailing was on my mind. Okay. Because All right. putting one over a barrel... Mm-hmm is mm-hmm. of nautical origin. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. But here's the twist. All right. Because I once again thought the same thing, although I, I, it's not a jump. Y- you're you're leaving on a ship to embark, so you would take barrels of... Yeah, your supplies. Supplies. Sure. There'd be lots of barrels. Yeah. That was like the... Besides the burlap sack, the barrel was the vehicle of yeah. choice for... Yeah. Vessel provisions, yeah. if you will, but also you know to punish a sailor and flog him out, uh, whip him. You might even put them, yeah, if one was more handy, over the barrel of a of a cannon. Oh, yeah, okay. And you you tied their hands down to something on the ground area, I guess. Often tied their hands to their feet while slunked over the barrel of a cannon as well. Okay, holy crap. And then, and then you, you take to whipping. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, so over a barrel. Oh, man, yeah. And then, so that's, what, that's why I said it in a funny way. It ties back to that <laughs> 1939 gun right. movie thing, right. you know. Right, that does relate, I guess. Barrel of a gun, but in a sort of a cutesy, tongue-in-cheek way. I see. But it is nautical, and you know... Uh, man log books from uh, 17th, 18th century reveal sailors uh, being punished by uh, being uh, 
strapped over a barrel. Oh man. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. I wasn't. I never thought cannon barrel. That's right. Great. Now, there's a popular drawing of a uh, of a torture later that's not a nautical version so much, and it also, you know, what I picture is a big giant barrel, and you knock it down on its side and you slunk the person over it. Yeah. Um, how do I say it? Across the widest belly section of the barrel. Yeah. That's a picture. It's like, yeah, it's on its side and you're laying over the bulge, if you will. But someone decided uh, to, to do a drawing. And if you, if you Google uh, over a barrel images, um, history of over a barrel or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, this one particular drawing comes up that shows uh, a guy strapped to the barrel long ways, yeah, and then uh, and then being uh, beaten, man, uh, uh, presumably in the in the buttocks. Sure, I mean they're right there, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> but uh. but yeah, so to have you over a barrel, you know, it's our our sailing. Um, <laughs> Our favorites. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's sailing. Oh, and it's terrible. Oh, it's a nice high and then a low. Like, well, that's, that sounds terrifying. <laughs> but yeah, sailing. Great. I mean, you had what you had. You, yeah. You know, if somebody <laughs> was requiring punishment, yeah. Uh, you look around. <laughs> <laughs> what do I got here? I got a whip and a barrel. All right. Let's do it up. <laughs> hey. <laughs> but anyway. Yes. That is that. Is that. Uh, you know, don't pull any tomfoolery uh, while on a ship. No. That has cannons or barrels. No, yeah, just just don't. So, uh, <laughs> once again, failure uh, to prepare. That's on a, our part, yeah. Yeah, letters. Uh, but. But. That doesn't mean we won't get to those. No. And it doesn't mean that you shouldn't send us a letter. So please do so. Yeah, perhaps you would write in and say, funny how time slips away is a Willie Nelson song. <laughs> but the one I was thinking of was the Al Green version. <laughs> uh, uh, is it the same song? I think so. I don't know, I guess, to be sure. Hmm. You're right. So we'll have to investigate. Now someone has to write in and tell us that. So whole nine yards where nine is a number, whole nine yards where nine is a number, you can get us. On Reddit, Instagram, and Twitter. Of course. And then whole nine yards podcast where nine is a number whole nine yards podcast on the Facebook. <laughs> the password <laughs> is <laughs> write to us. So hey, that's three words. So yeah, do those things or email us where Rebecca will tell you at, at the end here. Yeah, and uh, and let's enjoy uh, life. That's all we got. Yeah, that's all we got. Yeah, you gotta enjoy it. That's all we got. Uh, I'm Jay. And I'm Ray. And we are not not idioms. Hmm. Whole Nine Yards is written, recorded, and produced by Big Science Pods. Learn more at whole9yards.org or contact Whole Nine Yards by emailing heyyou at whole9yards.org. That's heyyou at whole9yards.org. Whole Nine Yards theme music composed by Big Science Music.